T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0. And liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. And blast off. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Jake Schaefer Campaign. I'm your host, Jacob Mark Schaefer, and this is my campaign. If you've been wondering where I've been, well, I've been a little busy getting my master's. But I'm back now, at least a little bit. So, without further ado, the next episode of The Fleeting Prince. Also, tell your friends about the podcast. Chapter 14 Lennox turned his head. Though hindered by his helm, he could see a table beside his bed, set with a tall crystal glass filled with drink, and a plate of food untouched except for a piece of bread that had been cut into slices and half-eaten. He blinked, staring at the food in vague confusion, before lifting his hands up to his helm to remove the heavy piece of armor. Once off, he let the helmet fall and sighed, a long, drawn-out breath of weariness and fatigue. His body felt heavy, his head hazy, and the remnants of an unpleasant dream crossed upon the fringes of his mind. He lay for some time, looking at the smoldering logs of the fireplace. Though the flames had died, he could still feel the heat put forth from the stones. He wished to know where he was, but thought little of it. I'll find out soon enough, he told himself. Back and forth his mind raced, thinking of the woods and of the black crows that filled the trees. It made him angry to think about. He had been foolish, putting forth so much of his magic so quickly. Very foolish. Though he had little choice, he knew. He could not have those cursed spies whispering his location to the world. He was not ready. Suddenly his door opened, and Astrid stepped through quietly. A smile touched Lennox's face. Oh, it's you. I was wondering when I might see you again. Taking a deep breath, he pushed himself up, resting his back against the base of the bed. Much of the time, he barely felt his armor, bearing the weight as though it were his own skin, but now it felt heavy indeed. When he looked up, he found that Astrid hadn't moved from the doorway. She remained fixed, her eyes set on his own. She had questions, he knew, as she made her way into the room. How are you feeling? She said at last. Well enough, he answered. She was dressed wholly in black, with a cloak of fine silk draped across her right shoulder, laced with silver, and her eyes went to the fireplace. How long was I unconscious? Near five days, Astor replied, looking back to the night. That long, he said quietly, more to himself than to Astrid. And where are we now? In Lahalian, the stronghold of Lord Magnus, ruler of the Eastern Ark. We are safe, oddly enough, after our cursed journey through the woods. Her eyes furrowed in frustration. Though I wish you would explain your dealings with the crows. That absurd outburst left you half dead, and placed a heavy burden upon me. Foul creatures, he replied, remembering the dark wings flashing in the snow. Servants of the Dark Moon, 
or one of his retainers. Either way, they had to be destroyed. All of them. Else we risked more of the brazen guard learning of our location. A quick shudder ran through Astrid. Surely the Dark Moon does not command all of the crows of the forest. You're right, he answered softly. But for such a horde to be together outside the exit of a cave... He shook his head knowingly. They were sent there to watch, to observe any strange leavings, and to report back. Of this I have no doubt, but we have spoken enough on crows. Tell me of Lord Magnus, and how we came to be his guests. Do not be fooled by false comforts, Sir Knight. We are as much his captives as his guests. We are free to walk the tower, but not to step outside. Lord Magnus wishes to speak with you when you are well enough. Until then you are to rest, and I am to wait. Her eyes went to the fireplace once more, an uneasy expression tugging at her eyes. Not one for cages, Lennox thought. Do not distress. The last time we were trapped in a tower, our position was much worse than this, and things turned out well enough. Though it was trying to be sure... Now tell me, who is Lord Magnus, and how did we come to be here? I can't imagine you carried me across your back, and I saw no tower upon the fields before falling into dreams. Astrid moved, taking a seat by the fire before answering the night. Despite the heat given off from the fireplace, she looked cold, her eyes distant, reminding Lennox of when they first met, far away in the mountains of the cursed city. Lord Magnus is a sorcerer of great power, she said solemnly. He knew of our presence the moment we came upon his kingdom, watching us through the power of his crystal sphere. She spoke then of Sir Galehout and of his companions, leaving out few details, describing to Lennox the ruins of Osgaleon, and all Galehout had said about its destruction and of his master. Lennox listened closely, speaking little and asking few questions. He was curious about Lady Gwyn, and was surprised to hear that the sorceress could hide her words from Astrid so completely. When she told of Vasily's arrival and the departure of Sir Galehout, Lennox again listened quietly, but at the mention of Vasily's lantern, the knight stirred. Do you still have it? he asked. The lantern? Yes. Would you show it to me? She retrieved the lantern from a small chest in the corner of the room and handed it to the knight. Then, returning to her seat, she watched as Lennox uncovered the light. Its narrow beam shot forth. He swung it slowly across the room then shut it off, placing it on the table beside him. He looked at the lantern then for some time, not speaking, lost in thought before finally turning back to Astrid. I'm sorry, he said. Please. Continue. Finally, she spoke of Lahalian, describing her ascension of the mighty tower and of her encounter with Lord Magnus. Through all of it, Lennox watched her with discerning eyes, and though she said nothing of his dream, she felt as though he knew somehow. Hmm, that's quite a tale, Lennox said when she was done. It seems we have a knack for drawing interest in the wrong sort of folk. Though, perhaps, 
I speak too early concerning Lord Magnus. He has treated us well thus far. He smiled grimly then, and laughed. Better than the lady soon, at least. But he has time to show his colors, whatever they may be. I do not believe he means to harm us, Astrid said quietly, while looking at the fire. The growing embers at last began to fade, and its heat diminish. For a moment, Lennox was silent, watching her as she watched the fire. We will learn, sooner rather than later, I'm sure, he finally said. But Astrid was not listening, and his words went unnoticed. Time moved slowly within the tower. Outside, the sun rose and fell in turn, casting its light through the slender window high above Lennox's bed. He watched its golden rays pass along the stones, drifting in and out of his living dreams as he willed. On the eve of the third day, he found that his body felt both rested and refreshed, and rose, wishing to test his fortitude. He paused at the mirror, taking a moment to look at the man that stood before him shrouded in illusion, the shadow of a fallen man. He removed his glove and reached for his silver serpent ring, pausing a moment before removing the ring from his finger. He flinched at what he saw, a wretched figure draped in golden armor. With the illusion gone, he looked no different from the ghouls that wandered the high mountains or lingered within the deep valleys of the frozen woods. Age is not all decay, he thought lifting his decrepit hand up to his face. Much has changed since you last gazed through the looking glass, he said to his reflection. The ripening is at hand, if you have the constitution to see it through until the end. There was a knock on the door and a voice spoke out from the other side. Sir Lennox, I am Vasily, chief servant of Lord Magnus. I have been sent by my lord to speak with you, if you will. Might I enter? Lennox eyed the door questionably and laughed. One moment, he replied, before slipping the serpent ring back upon his finger. In an instant the illusion was in place, and the man before the mirror looked well and good, if not a little pale. He retrieved his helm, placing it atop his head with the visor raised, and said, Come in, then turned to meet his guest. Vasily was much like Astrid had described him, tall and grim with hair raven black and eyes keen and knowing. Long, dark robes fell to the floor by his side, yet did not appear to hinder him as he moved. He looked upon Lennox with great interest, but his face was stolid and dull. He bowed slightly, placing his hand across his chest. Greetings, Sir Knight. I hope you have found peace and rest here in Lohalian. At my master's word, you have been left untroubled. But now I have been sent to parley with you, if you are well enough for such an endeavor. I am indeed, answered Lennox. So speak your words. Very well. It is to be made known that all the tower is open to you, and while inside, all enchantments have been lifted. But you are not to leave until you have spoken with Lord Magnus. Should you depart, before such time, darkness will fall upon you, and unseen sentries would slay you, for nothing yet has been spoken to them of your parting. 
After a small pause, Lennox nodded, acknowledging that he understood. Vasily nodded back, and looked at Lennox as though some small weight had been lifted from his shoulders. When might I expect to meet your most gracious lord? Lennox queried. Alas, I have yet to be told such things, Sir Knight. But I can rightly say, my lord does not wish to hold you longer than he must, and you can expect his summonings before long. But if you would come with me, my lord wishes to present you with a token of goodwill. Lennox found himself being led down a massive stairwell set with torches. Black cloth lined the walls and floor, and though the way before them appeared empty, voices echoed all around. They themselves moved in silence, speaking little during the descent, until Lennox remembered Astrid's lantern with its silver beam, and inquired into the nature of its making. I have never seen anything of its kind, Lennox began. Tell me. What is the origin of its color? My first thought was of illusion, but upon inspection, I perceived it was alchemic in nature. You don't miss much, do you, Sir Lennox? It is indeed a work of alchemy. A subtle art, I've always found, often overlooked in pursuit of the magical arts. I agree. There is much to learn in the ancient craft, though I fear I never had much talent for it. He smiled then, a small grin unseen by Vasily, as he thought of someone from his past. His smile faded, leaving his eyes lonely and sad. You say it's often overlooked, yet I see much alchemy in this tower. It is at the command of Lord Magnus that we study many fields. We are not to neglect alchemy, nor the science nor maths. That is wise counsel, said Lennox. A good student must be well-rounded. Do your studies extend to history? Of course. We host the finest library east of Bedivere. Oh, I would be interested in seeing it, if I may. Vasily turned his head slightly, glancing quickly towards the night. It is open to you, but later. First I must see my master's wishes fulfilled. The stairwell broke off then into a narrow hallway of stone that curved slightly as they went. In answer to your question, Sir Knight, the lantern was crafted by my junior apprentice. Silver is layered into a glass sphere that encircles the flame. So, you are right. The light is in fact an illusion, just not one you supposed. Hmm, what a clever guise, Lennox replied, his eyes doubtful as he gazed upon the sorcerer behind him. Something in the tone startled Vasily. He stopped and gazed upon the knight, but said nothing, then turned and continued on. Keep your secrets if you wish, thought Lennox. The lie is plainly seen, but the purpose behind it is harder to discern. It was a simple enough question, but perhaps there was more to it than he believed. Lennox would ponder the mystery at a later time, for now they came upon a set of doors, both large and wide, set deep into the wall and covered in cloth, like so much of the surrounding tower. Vasily unlocked the doors with a key he produced from his robes. He pushed gently upon the stones and the heavy doors swung open, revealing a room lined with tall pillars, glowing warmly by the light of a thousand candles. The room was lightly furnished, 
with a single table that ran the length of the room, and chairs sat evenly about it. It was what hung along the walls that caught Lennox's attention. The royal treasury of Lord Magnus, Vasilis proclaimed. In here you will find no gold nor silver, nor precious stones of any kind. These are the heirlooms of my master, made by his hand, imbued with magic both powerful and subtle. He turned, lifting up his arms and spreading out his hands in a gesture of glory and splendor. You are to choose one, Sir Knight, a gift from my master. But choose wisely, for these are items of power, and used incorrectly can bring about destruction unintended by the user. Lennox stepped forward with a wide grin hidden by his helm, his eyes set in awe. The door clicked shut behind him, so softly he hardly noticed. He lowered his head, removing his helm completely and setting it aside, resting it gently atop the table. He could feel Vasily hovering behind, and was pleased that the sorcerer did not attempt to touch his armor, though he did glance at it with questioning eyes, curious of the magic instilled within. Do not be hesitant, Sir Knight. If you have questions concerning any of these items, ask, and I will tell you all I know. Will you? Lennox wondered at the thought. Perhaps, if his lord commanded him. He glanced quickly towards the sorcerer. Thank you. I will certainly keep that in mind. He walked the corridor, studying the treasures one by one, never touching them, never asking questions, just gazing at them as though they were art, which a few of them were. Large paintings interspersed between ancient swords and chests of fine cloth imbued with magic meant to keep the wearer warm from what Lennox could surmise. He could not be certain, not without actually testing his theory, but he felt sure just the same. He found himself standing before one of the paintings, its picture faded almost beyond recognition. Something about it seemed queer, yet he could not place it. He stepped forward for a better look. Why, he thought. What about the painting vexed him so? He turned towards Vasily, daring himself to speak, until he stumbled back, turning his gaze once more upon the picture. Impossible, he thought. How? This painting, Lennox said aloud, in a voice both calm and cool. How did your master come by it? Oh, a magnificent piece, is it not? Vasily stepped forward, his eyes set upon the painting his arms crossed before him. It was acquired long ago from the Atem, back when their wagons still roamed freely. They claimed to have purchased it from a pair of treasure hunters out of the silent city. But who can say if they spoke truly? A devious lot, the Atem. One can never be certain what one is purchasing. You believe they lied about its origin? Not likely. The transaction was concluded long ago, before the fall of Osgaleon, it was authenticated by the scribes of the city at the height of their achievement. Vasily turned and smiled. It is a painting both rare and beautiful, and would be the jewel of any collection. And so it was, Lennox thought. He reached his hand out, 
letting it hover for a moment just above the picture's surface. He was ever aware of Vasily's eye upon him, and with a deep breath, dropped his hand and continued on. He was uneasy after that, his heart beating rapidly inside his chest, his mind drifting to a long-forgotten past. How? He never imagined he'd come across a relic from before, not outside Martial. Shiva's words came flooding back to him then. The warden spoke of treasure hunters, who searched the ancient city, plundering it of all its goods. But still, blood and ash. He should never have taken off his helm, he thought. He cursed his stupidity, and slowly began making his way towards the entrance. Once there, he retrieved his helm and placed it firmly upon his head, before crossing to the other side of the room. He gazed at the sorcerer through the shallow slit. I've been foolish, he thought, too lax in this gentle setting. No more. Perhaps this is what Lord Magnus wanted, to send me down here and watch me flitter about. But I will not play the fool. Suddenly Lennox froze, his eyes set on the wall before him. The picture was trickery enough, but what he saw now was not possible. He turned, looking for the sorcerer, but Vasily had moved on and was some distance from the night. He looked back upon the wall and reached out, taking the golden spear into his trembling hands. The polished metal shined and gleamed beautifully, yet Lennox felt no power, save that which is set naturally in weapons of steel. Relief flowed through him like a washing rain, and he turned and placed the weapon back upon the wall and retrieved the shield that sat beside it. He ran his gloved hand along the edges, then lowered it, and returned it to the wall before stepping back. Counterfeits, copies, fakes, they held no power. The true weapons lay at the bottom of the drowned city, safely waiting his retrieval. He felt his body grow tense, and clutched his hands into fists. The girl was right, he acknowledged. Lord Magnus was quite the sorcerer indeed, to be testing Lennox so boldly, but how much did he truly know? He found himself laughing then, and took a seat beside the table. He watched as Vasily turned and began making his way towards him. What is it that amuses you? Vasily asked. He advanced slowly, walking with his arms crossed before him. Oh, it's nothing you would understand. But now that you're here, perhaps you can help me. Of course, he said with a slight bow. Oh, excellent. You see, I just can't seem to choose, so I was hoping you would choose for me. Vasily's eyes went wide with surprise. Good night. A gift of such magnificence should not be left to another. You know best what lies before you. Choose according to your path. Hmm. It seems you have more confidence in me than I myself esteem. The path that I must tread is already set before me. Lennox smiled then, his eyes gleaming unseen behind his golden visor. But what trials stand between me and the end? I know not. So I trust this gift to you. I believe you will choose well. As it is... I think I will retire. I have been struck by memories once forgotten and wish to think in peace.
Lennox found little comfort in the solace of his room, and was surprised when the summons of Lord Magnus came that very night. He relented, unwilling to refuse the call of the Lord. The royal chambers were just as Astrid had described, with lanterns of liquid silver above, and great pools of mercury shimmering like moons spread throughout the hall. He found Lord Magnus sitting upon a throne draped in cloth, and beside him stood a colossal statue, head bent with the eye of Lahalian resting in its palm. Fascinating, Lennox thought as he approached. He had not thought any of the great scene stones had endured. This answered many of his questions, but not all. He continued forward. There was much to be seen in the great chamber, but it was Lord Magnus towering above all else seated upon his throne that held his eyes. Venerable, he sat as a great lord. Knowledge and wisdom was his crown, and hidden behind shadow his eyes gleamed with starlight. He stood up to greet his guest, watching verily the movement of the golden knight. Sit now before me, Lennox of Martial, said Magnus, and as he spoke, a chair rose forth before his throne. Hmm. Lennox's eyes went from Magnus to the chair. This will be most illuminating, he thought, and walked calmly forward. When Lennox was at last seated, Magnus turned towards his crystal sphere and lifted his hand. The great crystal rose, hovering slightly. I would look upon thy true self as we discuss what shall befall thee. Lennox understood, and reached up to remove his helm. His gloves were next. He placed them upon his lap, before reaching for his serpent ring. A ripple seemed to pass between them then, causing him to pause briefly. Is it truly necessary? he asked. I'm afraid I've lost quite a bit of myself. The wait has been long, Elder One. I do not seek hidden things nor half-truths. I will have it all plainly before me, else how am I to aid thee? Lennox looked up for a moment, his eyes doubtful. Is that what you intend? To aid me? You know not what I intend, else you might not be so stirred. I know much and more, as I am sure thee surmised, but not all and not enough. We witnessed something strange, the girl child and thyself. While thou slept before us, a scene of great significance. I have thought much upon it, and it has scarcely left my mind. He lifted up his black arms, gesturing towards the crystal sphere. At once the gem cleared, and Lennox saw the shape of a crown, dark and twisted, with many thorns. A man loomed beneath it, dark and shadowed upon a throne, with a woman in red chained beside him. Lennox said no word, but turned from the crystal sphere and looked long upon the figure of Lord Magnus. He removed the serpent ring, placed it on the armrest of his chair. There is more, Sir Knight, much more, Magnus said quietly. The picture of the king and the woman in red drifted away, replaced now by an image of Lennox dragging along a corpse 
throughout the halls of the great kingdom. The golden knight at last exited the palace and trotted on until reaching a great chasm beside the fortress. It was there that he cast down the cadaver, deep into the darkness below. Lennox watched the body fall until darkness filled the crystal sphere, and all was quiet. So it was Lee who unwittingly became the architect of so much misery and rot, tainting the sewers with a cadaver of Lord Shem. It was not till much later that I suspected, said Lennox, his mouth tight. The crystal sphere sprung to life then, flashing many past events which Lennox knew had taken place, but had never seen. The fracturing of an age, the spreading of the taint, the chaos of a kingdom gone mad. Then the image cleared, and he saw a mighty war. A hundred thousand men marching upon a silent city, when suddenly, great beasts emerged from the walls, casting aside the armies of men like Chaff, and returning the city to silence. For some time then all was still, and Lennox sighed, preparing to look away, when out from the main gate rode forth a knight set in blue, and with him rode seven men in brazen armor, adorned with helms of mighty beasts. But remaining at the gate stood a figure cloaked in brown, with a staff long and sharp, and eyes that gleamed like moonlight. What trickery is this? Lennox said as he rose to his feet, his eyes turning to Magnus. The great sorcerer remained seated, his hand held forth in a gesture of peace. Sir Knight, I am not him, though the likeness thou seest is not denied, for he is my father, and I his son, yet I show him no devotion. My roots are here, firmly planted within the halls of Lahalian, for I am a lord, and this my kingdom. I serve not the watchers of old, nor the dark moon. Lennox stood in silence, looking upon the lord with renewed interest. Nay, Magnus said, divining his thoughts. Not as thou imagines. I am not of his seed. In truth, I am in nature, a work of alchemy, brought forth to serve, but father's ambition was palpable, and he grasped too far. I would not serve, so I fled to a new life. Long have I desired to speak with thee, to aid thee in thy quest to bring this age to an end, that I may at last find release from my father's will. And with that word Magnus drew back his hood, revealing the man beneath. Light was his skin, white and smooth as porcelain, with cracks running out from the temples of his eyes. He did not stay uncovered long. Seeing the discomfort brought forth, he concealed himself once more, letting the hood fall long past his face, then spoke. O Elder One, we've fallen far, spiraling further and further from our Creator's intent. But now we may set the world right. Thy time has come to finish thy great work, and I will aid thee, devoting all I can to thy safety. Then, reaching inside his robes, he produced a crystal sphere, 
much smaller than the eye of Lahalian, yet the gem pulsed with magic. You would not choose, older one, so a gift was chosen at thy request. Then, reaching forward, he gave the orb to Lennox, and for a moment it shined with light, then grew dim, leaving the image of Lahalian deep within the crystal. With this thou canst see much that may have eluded thee, and if thou so desire, call my name, that I may offer aid in times of great despair. Then, leaning back, Lord Magnus looked down upon the small sphere, and smiled. Vasily chose well, I think. May it offer relief upon the tides of darkness that lay before thee. Lennox bowed having not the words to say. With the orb still in his hands, he moved to place it inside a small pouch at his waist, and stopped when he saw the image of a large cat walking briskly through a forest with a tall man set beside him. The image lingered only for a moment, then faded and went black. Lennox turned to Magnus, but the sorcerer only looked at him in silence. Lennox placed it into the pouch. The world has been still for a long time, Magnus went on. Yet with your return a great fire has been stoked, and now the world must be burned clean, and only that which is pure will stand forth eternal, that the will of the Creator may come forth, as it must and will upon the world. Alas, Elder One, for our enemy does not stand idle, Long has Azazel been plundering the great relics of this world, once given as gifts to aid mankind in the war. He seeks the ancient treasures, pursuing them with all his will, sending forth his minions for that deed and purpose. Yet what he hopes to achieve I cannot distinguish, perhaps to ready himself for thy return. For in thee lies his doom, having slain Lord Shem and his kin. Azazel will not rest until you are gone. Nay, Lennox replied, and in his tone was great sadness and regret. Lord Shem fell by my hand, but I will not claim the deeds of Sir Galeon, loyal to a fault. For it was he who smote Lord Batrel and Armoros only to be betrayed in the end. Sergelion, said Magnus, his eyes veiled and hidden, speaking now in a softer voice. Yes, Sergelion, of course. His deeds will be recorded, the error corrected. This seemed to please Lennox. Lord Magnus continued. Be that as it may, Elder One. Thy face brings great doubt to our enemy's mind. I can only deduce he is building himself strong, that he might destroy thee, and any chance of his fall with thee, that his days may continue. The age of watchers persist. Your thoughts mirror my own, said Lennox after some time. Yet we cannot know for sure his purpose. You spoke of the ancient relics. Which ones still remain? The imperishable flame is lost, as thou can recount, as well as the shadow rings and the mirror doors. All were claimed while you wasted in the dungeons, 
At this, Lennox stirred, but did not respond. Until now, he has moved in darkness, but thy awakening has shifted all, and across the land his forces make ready. The sphere of the Hylian is lost to him. He shall not have it. And so he bends his will towards that which he may still attain, the star orb, forever guarded by the wizard guild, and the iron staff of Bedivere. Much strength remains in the iron city, for long after the fall of your home did Bedivere prosper. Many strong towers were erected, and many walls and ships to protect the lake towns from those who would steal and burn. And while such strength has diminished, Azazel would find it difficult to overthrow, for the Black Iron Knights still stand watch at all hours of the day, though they no longer venture past their own walls. Hmm. Though I make no claim into the mind of Lady Soon, perhaps some of her purpose has been made clear to me, for it was on our travels to the guild that we fell into despair, and in the depths of the woods we were separated from our guide, Shiva of Katarone, first warden of Lady Soon. Tell me what transpired, said Magnus. Then Lennox recounted all that had taken place since their departure from the flooded city, and the days that followed as they moved to retrieve the boy wizard of Solaire, recalling in depth the jackal and the glutton, his purging of the Dark Moon's sigil upon the arch-tree, the disappearance of Merrick and Zev, the ghoul army, and the coming of the darkness. A shadow wraith it must have been, changing both its shape and size at will, said Lennox. It pushed us into the decrepit castle and fell upon Shiva in a mighty clash that shook the earth and cast us into darkness. These tidings are grave indeed, cried Magnus. Yet there is more, said Lennox, and spoke of the hollows that now infested the hidden fortress, and of the narrow escape, and the crows that kept watch upon the exits of the deep. I destroyed the wretched birds, he said, down to the very last, though it weakened me more than I care to admit, and I fell into memories of old, memories which you trespassed upon, though no consent was given. Lennox paused, leaning slightly forward before answering. Forgive me, Elder One. I knew not thy condition, and wished only to assess thy mind. Lennox smiled, his eyes looking out through the slit of his helm upon the mighty lord. Assess my mind. He almost laughed. A partial truth, an unfinished lie. It mattered not. Had Lord Magnus wished to cause him harm, he could have at any time. Lady Soon, Lord Magnus, each had their own ambitions, but for the time it appeared as though their wants aligned. Lennox waved his hand in trivility. There is nothing to forgive. I have nothing to hide. Now it was Lord Magnus who seemed to be amused. He tilted his head and stared long at Lennox but did not speak, for he was deep in thought, considering all he had seen and heard from the Golden Knight. Silence fell once more. Lennox, revealed and bare before the great lord, 
reached for his silver serpent ring and placed it firmly upon his finger. Afterwards, he slipped on his gloves and golden helm and sat stolid in his chair, his hands clasping the rails. Well, you certainly have given me much to consider. Yet I am curious. How much did the girl see? I've grown rather fond of her in our short time, and would be remiss if she thought less of me without understanding what truly took place so long ago. She witnessed the fall of Lord Shen, and nothing more. Enough to intrigue her imagination, I'm sure. Yet she comprehends not its true meaning. At least for the time being. She is a delight, that girl child. Tell me, what is her role in thy quest? Lennox shrugged. I haven't the faintest. Nor can I speak concerning Oscar of Solaire. We are all wrapped together in some unseen plot of the girl oracle you're so fond of. Something resembling a laugh rolled forth from the throat of the great lord. Yes, she is quite an enigma, that one. She has procured a royal gathering indeed. I can only hope she has the sight to use thee accordingly. You speak as though she is my master. Lennox shook his head. She is not the master of me. Again the great lord laughed. Isn't she? That ring speaks differently, but enough. I fear I have delayed thee long indeed. Now is the time. Thou hast my consent to depart upon thy choosing. I will have horse and supplies made ready for thee. Astrid will be glad to hear it, said Lennox. He rose then and bent his head forward in a slight bow. Our meeting has been most favorable, my lord. Your news and counsel, helpful. Magnus raised his eyes and looked at him, and Lennox felt himself exposed once again by the keenness of his gaze. Elder one, my patience has been rewarded. My persistence not in vain. In thee lies a new beginning. One who would end an age. Go forth, and may the will of the Creator consume thee. Afterwards, when Lennox departed, he found himself alone in the stairwell of the high tower, considering all he had heard when his mind went to Astrid and he pondered where he might find her. Without hardly a thought, he found himself reaching for the crystal sphere he had just received, holding it before him. It had been some time, he knew, since he had tried such magic, and doubt filled his mind as to whether he would succeed. Yet as he looked, an image appeared, a single tower set in twilight. As the tower drew close, the image of a girl took shape standing upon the peak, with a mighty wind blowing against her. A smile touched at the corner of Lennox's lips. He watched her for some time before setting the orb away. Quite useful, he thought. He must give Vasily his thanks before departing. Lennox turned and gazed upward, his eyes following the unending stairway. Just how many steps are there in this tower? He thought, with a shake of his head. 
too many. Well, it would be a good test to know how well he had recovered, and thus he began his ascent. It was a long, silent walk. Only the loose shuffling of his armor echoed through the tower, that and his own labored breath that resounded inside his helm. Still, he was better off than he thought, and before long he reached the top and stepped through the door and onto the very peak of Lahalian. In the distance, the sun's twilight painted the sky with all shades of purple and orange, yet above them, the clouds were devoid of color, black and gray and cold, with a biting wind that belted against the banners of Lord Magnus, which hung upon the three-pronged horns of the tower. A huge fire pit had been dug in the center of the stone roof, and its flames rose spinning and crackling towards the bitter sky. Astrid was standing with her back to the flame, her eyes looking out across the horizon. Lennox approached, his steps barely heard over the piercing wind. One could get blown away if not careful, he thought, as a sudden blast of air cut across the tower. Astrid's long black cape billowed out, dancing to the song of the air. She turned her head, only a little, but it was enough to see Lennox coming up behind her. She looked away. Her cold demeanor stopped Lennox where he stood, and for a time they remained still until at last he called out. If you have questions, ask. I will not lie to you. Another gust of wind wrapped itself around the tower, then dissipated. The girl said nothing, her eyes hidden from Lennox. Perhaps she could not hear me, the knight thought, and removed his helm to better speak. We have been released, my lady. We leave at first light. Lennox's long hair put forth by illusion blew before him as another gust pushed upon the tower and persisted for a long while, howling and screaming as though in fury. In the distance, lightning flashed, its roaring echo followed close. Well, she'll have to speak to me in time. Better it is on her terms. With a hint of regret resting upon his heart, Lennox redonned his helm and left, walking past the pit of flames and descending into the tower unaware of Astrid's eyes upon his back. They did not speak until the following morning, when Lennox was led to her room by a small, quiet woman in dark robes, who watched him with soft eyes and a knowing smile, but did not speak, even when prodded with questions. You remind me of several priests I used to know, he said to her. They never spoke to me either. The woman seemed amused by this and laughed quietly to herself her small hunched shoulders rising and falling as she left. Hmm, what an odd woman, thought Lennox. He turned then, knocking gently on the door with the back of his fist. Astrid opened the door mid-knock to Lennox's surprise. Oh, hello, he said. I've come to let you know our horses are ready and waiting for us outside the tower entrance. Good, she answered. I'll be down shortly. Lennox nodded and Astrid closed the door. Well, not so bad, I think. It can only get better. She had not seemed upset. If anything, her eyes seemed brighter than they had for some time, and Lennox was beginning to feel better himself. He was strangely drawn to the girl he found, and did not like the notion of her being upset with him. The absurdity of it all made him laugh. 
Upon exiting the tower, they found a company of men mounted and waiting. Some of them watched as Lennox and Astrid descended, but none spoke. The bars of their half-helms covered their eyes, and the silver and blue surcoats with the fallen crown of House Magnus embezzled upon the chest hid their plate and mail. Lennox recognized none of them, for in truth he had scarcely come across any of Lord Magnus's retainers while inside Lohalian. Hard men, Lennox knew. He could tell by the way they held themselves, straight and alert, ready for action if the need arose. They were no hollows, but true men, valiant and strong. They continued on toward a pair of stallions who stood separate from the group, held in place by a young boy dressed in simple but clean servant clothes. As they approached, Lennox thanked the boy, who nodded in reply, and proceeded to help Astrid mount. His name's Arvikar, the boy said. A good horse, strong and true. My thanks, said Astrid. I will treat him well. And mine, Lennox said. Alcivar, is he quick? Very quick, the boy replied with a deep nod. Good, said Lennox, and ran his hand along the horse's neck, speaking to it words in an ancient tongue. He put his foot in the stirrup and swung into the saddle, then spoke softly once more into the stallion's ear. What did you say to him? asked the boy. Lennox lifted his visor and smiled. I can't seem to remember. Vasilia appeared then, draped in his traditional dark garb and mounted upon a dark stallion. He trotted forward, while a pair of men followed behind on foot. Greetings, friends, he said, calling out. Be it fate or something else unseen, it was I who led you into Lohalian. Thus it shall be me who lead you away, if only for a little while. Lennox looked upon the sorcerer with a smile. Astrid with annoyance. It was Sir Galehout who found us among the ruined walls, she answered. He brought us many leagues in safety and peace before we were placed in your care. Vasily looked amused. It was strange seeing him in the fullness of day, where the light of the sun fell upon his face and showed him clear and true. I, my lady, I have not forgotten. I only hope to continue his legacy as best I can. What's this? Lennox said, watching as two servants drew near. More gifts. Lord Magnus has been very gracious to you and the lady. I will do no less. And while I can offer you nothing near as magnificent as the gifts given by my master, I offer you what I have and hope you will find it to your liking. Then he turned to each in turn. To a knight of old, both wise and strong, I offer twin falchion blades, forged by my own hands in service of House Magnus. The swords were well made and overlaid with a tracery of silver set against the natural gold hue of the steel. They were sheathed in a leather harness meant to be worn on one's back. The blades, when kept together, can be neither broken nor split and will cut deep where many other swords might be turned away. Hmm... It appears I am amassing many great treasures, Lennox said, taking the blades and strapping them onto his back. Shiva will be bothered when he learns of our gain, should we ever cross his path again. He thought then of his serpent ring given to him by Fade the Unfaithful, in the scene stone of Lord Magnus. 
yet Vasily's words had not escaped him. He mentioned gifts given by his master, and wondered what treasure Astrid had received. I will ask her, he determined, when enough time has passed. For the young lady who waited patiently in the tower, he said, turning to Astrid, I offer this bow, such as the Knights of House Magnus use, for I have seen that yours has been cracked, and now only waits for a time that it might betray you. Somewhat surprised by Vasily's words, Astrid removed her bow and examined it, finding the flaw deep in the wood running along the top. Thank you, sir, she said, keeping her bow in hand. Your gift is most appreciated, but I will keep my own and mend it as best I can, for the flaw is still in its infancy. Vasily bowed his head. Very well. I only ask the lady be wary. I will, she said firmly. I think it's best we depart, said Lennox suddenly, for we have been long delayed, and I would put it off no longer. Of course, answered Vasily, turning his steed northward in reply. At his command the company went forth, striking out upon the road in two rows. Their banners pressed before them, wavering in the wind.